Morena, morena. Kia ora, everybody. What's up? It is Rebet. Welcome to Rebet Live, episode 294. Here we go. Episode 294. Uh, we're going to have a chat today, and we're going to talk about technology. We're going to talk about uh, New Zealand workforce, labour, skill set, and all sorts of stuff. We're going to have a chat earlier before, and I thought what we'd do is we'd bring in someone who knows a little bit about this, because um, I don't know if you saw yesterday, little note came out there's 29,000 uh, businesses got shut down so far with the company's office uh, in the latest report which is not that good and one of the emphasis uh, the genesis for this chat as we were just kind of offline before was talking about you know if technology is supposed to be uh, you know one of the biggest exports I believe it's the second biggest export in New Zealand right now and if it's going to be potentially be the first um, pretty hard to do that if you don't have people here to do the jobs, eh? Pretty hard with the old the old tech if there's no no talent. So uh, what we thought we'd do is bring in someone who knows a little bit more about this than myself, uh, is Jason um, Cherrington, and he is the Chief Group Executive at Accordant NZ. Uh, he's doing a whole bunch of, knows the space while coming to the game. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, bring in Jason Cherrington. How are you, mate? Marina, how are you? Good, bro. Good, good, good. Good. So we may as well jump into it. In a nutshell, yeah. let's give quick context to let's give quick context to uh, who you are and what you do and how you in this in this space. Now, a, a quick macro, and then we can jump in because I think that this I haven't heard too many public conversations around this potential opportunity and potential big bad thing if we don't do it right. Uh, quick context, top line: uh, who you are and what you do. Yeah, cool. So, um, so yeah, Jason Charrington, as you say, CEO of Accordant Group. We're an NZX-listed uh, recruitment business. Um, I've been in my role now for, for four months, and the reason I joined Accordant, um, I came from the tech industry, uh, both in the UK, Europe, and, and APAC over the last uh, 25 years. And the thing that, um, apart from loving New Zealand, the thing that, that occurred to me when, when I looked at this opportunity was, was primarily what is now, I think, more of a, uh, a progressing and pressing um, concern around digital transformation and how we're going to enable it with people. So um, that's kind of, I guess, my crazy and my uh, my focus is to how do we accelerate and help businesses accelerate all of these wonderful plans, as Robert said, getting um, New Zealand to a place where exporting is number one is tech. When it's probably about 10 million away. Um, so I, how do we do that over the next um, two to three years without having the people in the country right now that can do it? And it's a challenge. And then amplified on top of that, say even within within tourism, nothing's even operating. A bunch of these different sectors haven't even been able to have their normal revenue lines already, right? So you're kind of sitting in a spot now where it's not only uh, these industries on pause, then you've got the talent who can't, can't actually even get, get in. And then even though it's one of your biggest exports going out. So for yeah. context from my side, one of the things that I was feeling is when the world was on pause, and I've said it a couple of times, but I... I really feel pretty strongly about it is that when the world was on pause, but New Zealand was moving, we had a massive commercial opportunity to be a magnet for global commerce opportunity, talent, tech, a, a bunch to get to kind of, you know, be drawn as a commercial magnet for, for potential global opportunity and nothing happened. There was no silver fern to the world. There was no, um, you know, olive branch. There was no crazy campaign to try and bring the best and brightest minds flippin' zilch, right? Now, in the last couple of weeks with what's been happening in New Zealand, I've got a bunch of um, people that I'm um, friends with that have been talking with. They're trying to take capital out of New Zealand. They're trying to take their talent to leave New Zealand. So not only did we miss the swing at bat to have talent come to New Zealand, capital come to New Zealand, global opportunity markets, but try and get localized in our country. 
now it's going the flipping opposite way. So the magnets, instead of going together, they flipped it the other way. And now it's everyone's trying to flip and piss off. So how does this, in your head, maybe from a, um, I guess, a, a commercial perspective, how do you think this unwinds from here? Like, how does it, how do you think this plays out in the next three years? Yeah, it's a really, it's a really good question. I mean, what you've described there, I see as a bridge, right? So, you know, the whole point around having a bridge is that you have two ends. Um, and if you're looking to bring talent into to New Zealand, then you have to have you know that strong end. So we've got it in New Zealand. New Zealand, as we know, is a fantastic place to to live and to enjoy life and the balance. But it's so much more than that. And when I moved here what, five years ago with um, with my wife, both of us were in technology. You know, one of the deciding factors was also that innovative you know, group of people that were hungry to do things like this, have conversations around technology and. Um, and really recognise the, the the brain power that we have in the country, and and then we went back to the UK over a bridge um, and brought people in. You know, we had conversations and attracted talent into the country just at a personal level. When you amplify that, you then start to look at oh, it's great one on one, but you've got to do something slightly different because it's got to be bigger, right? It's got to be more scale. So that is a challenge when you have high house prices. It's a challenge when you've now got inflation that is um, that is not under control currently. Um, we're locked down, so the freedoms, you know, certainly in Auckland and the country generally has been a challenge. So trying to attract those people, um, the conversation has to start to change because it's not quite the same as it was a, a few years ago. However, to your point around the, the concern of talent leaving, um, we talk a lot about the borders and the fact that we can't get scarce skills market into this country currently, primarily because what is classed as scarce skills. We know in the medical industry, you know, 50% of our doctors are imported into New Zealand. That's just one example of, of you know, I guess what you class as scarce skills. We can't get enough. And we know that the health industry is, is under pressure for that and nurses and, and so on. But in the tech industry, the stuff that enables this, this stuff to keep working. Um, and I would argue in a COVID lockdown world, people are spending more time thinking about digital transformation because they've had more time to look internally. How do they engage with their customers on a different level, a different way? Um, they have conversations strategically about it and where the rubber then meets the road is, right, well, how are we going to execute it and, and what do we need? And then you start to say, where am I going to go to find those people? And you can't go outside. So you look internally within New Zealand and nobody wants to move. Or you go out to the market and you decide that you're going to start to poach people and you find that the salaries just start to increase. So those businesses that have gone, hey, I need to go and find some really good people to help me through this period, especially the small businesses, the SMEs, um, that's a big cost. So am I surprised that, you know, there are a number of businesses that will be suffering cash flow wise now? Not, not at all, because they're stuck in this place. And what do I do? I know I need to change. Stop talking to me about digital transformation because I'm getting it here and here and here. Let me pull in an expert. I'm going to pay him or her a whole load of money. Um, and then cash me while is, is, is just kind of doing this. Right. And they can't trade in the way they did before. So it's a perfect storm. So how do you think this is going to uh, direct because what's been interesting to see from, say, the States is when COVID happened, everyone dispersed, and a bunch of the power of IP and talent left the, the valley. Yeah. Idaho, Utah, everyone basically pissed off and bailed. Now, when they started to open back up again, a bunch of businesses, there was kind of two trains of thoughts. One was like, stuff you come into the office. The other was like, hey, you can work sort of whatever. And an interesting thing happening from an HR perspective is other companies that have more of a hybrid model or ability to work remote are using that as an asset to get the best talent to say, hey, you're still there with your family and your kids in Idaho, stay there, no stress, we'll pay you the same, blah, blah. And weirdly enough, yeah. they're using 
logistics as one of the biggest ammunitions. But probably to your point, Jace, is if you're in New Zealand and you need physical talent and there's only a few of them, it's just this is a simple supply-demand conversation, right? Because then I imagine all the power goes to the selected few. So yep. how does how does this affect, what's the trickle-down effect on the recruitment game when this happens, right? How, how does this, is this basically everyone just starts charging more or just leveraging each other for the best deal to screw the sign-on bonus? Like, like how does this <laughs> practically happen? Like, what happens? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a candidate-led market, right? And, and part of me and partly coming into the, the industry was I like the fact it's a candidate-led market because, you know, we've all been through scenarios where you deal with the recruitment business. You know, you're the uh, you're the top dog. You're the one that they want, and, and therefore you get all the love and attention. And, and then, of course, the second that goes off to the right, you hear nothing, um, and weeks go by, and you can't even get a phone call returned. So, so I think the industry at times has probably been guilty of having enough choice um, that's changed over the over the years, and I like that because it means people are having to start to look after candidates and look after people and do the right thing in business. And I and I kind of like where that morally pushes people to. Uh, to they also have to train people. So you know, I, I like the idea of um, you know back in the day, you wanted a specific type of IT talent. You, you went after the best if you could get it. You prepared to pay the money. Now I like the idea of going well, actually. You know, there's two or three people over here. They're not quite at the level that we want. Well, let's train them. So let's take that energy and that money that we would pay somebody else twice as much because we can't get them um, and actually inject it into training and development and take somebody that's maybe only 50% there and turn them into something that will turn into a you know a powerhouse for you within the business over years and the loyalty and the trust and all the lovely stuff that comes off the back of that, which is really important. So I think businesses are going to have to start to, to really understand that piece. Do they have a good culture within their business that will attract people? You, you know, we know that the market's changed from a gig perspective. So, it, you know, if you don't treat people right, they'll just move anyway. Well, now in the market, they'll just move and they'll probably get twice as much money. So looking after people and making them feel like they truly are, not just in words, but in actions, core to their business, I think is quite critical. And therefore, I think I, I will see more, we will see more and more focus on people, culture, training, development of people, and then go into maybe areas of the market where we've not necessarily tapped into before. Because with very, very low unemployment rates, what you can't do is say, right, we're going to go and attack that market where there's you know 12% unemployment and just cream off the top of that, that 12%, which generally what happens in markets. You can't do that. So, so you can't be lazy anymore, I guess. Now you've got to really start to work at it. And I think that comes down to your brand. People like brands. And they like the social aspect of a brand as well. So you'll probably start to see you know, the back of, of what's happened in the last couple of years and certainly with the, the forums in the last few weeks, social responsibility truly, credibly will start to play a big part as well. So attracting talent, not just for money and baking the cake a different way is no longer just something you've got to do because it's part of, of you know your, your, uh, your corporate gig. You've actually got to go and do it and you've got to do it prompt, you know, properly. Otherwise, you'll be called out for it. Yes, it's Good points, Jace. I think there's two parts I see in my head is one, the same way COVID exposed great and shit leadership for how people yeah. actually navigated their business decisions to, to make businesses work. From a recruitment side, there's almost going to be two types I'm imagining, which would be the first is if they've got the capability internally for upskilling and training and whatever, maybe this feels like potentially more of the bigger guys, they're going to have to double down on their own sort of stuff. Or if they don't, they're either going to have to have a two approach of like, quickly try to upskill as fast as possible those within the organization for its own survival because they can't 
genuinely hire that other talent because I'm imagining, you know, it's just like imagine when, you know, in Wellington, when all those buildings went from like these new A buildings came in, all the B tenant B, B buildings tried to get the C's and the C's got the D's. And the next thing you know, then there's this bottom at the, the bit at the bottom. They don't have shit. They're like, oh shit, we're stuffed now. So for talent, I mean, that if your talent led for about the people, it potentially means that this is actually going to be a better thing for for talent in any part of the business, which means they're going to get more skilling, more more opportunities, better better jobs, better pay, better better whatever. If you're in, um, if you are on the come up, how do you think you'd play this strategically? You know, you say you're in your early twenties, all this sort of stuff's going on. You're thinking about what you're going to do with you, your career, and your potential future. If you're in your yeah. early twenties now, how do you selfishly leverage this moment for your best career move? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a really, really good question. I mean, if you think of, you know, 20 year olds now will probably will be different. I'd like, and I've got two of them right in the house. So, so I have a case study almost every day. Um, and the back from university as well. So it's like I've got two, two of the blokes living in my house. But I, um, but, but, you know, in those conversations, it, it's absolutely true that, that their buying criteria for a role is significantly different to what it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. So, so they do think about the brand and they think about the brand from a social responsibility perspective. Um, they don't necessarily think I'm going to go and work for that company for the next 20, 30 years because that's, that's just not reality anymore. But they will go, if I'm going to put my energy into this, is it something that I feel comfortable talking to my friends about, you know, down the bar going, hey, I work for this company. That means something now different to what it meant before. I think before it was, hey, I'm working for X company, they're really cool. You know, this is this is a great gig. Now I think it's I'm working for this company and I'm proud to talk to you about it and tell you, as opposed to I work for a brand where not so much. Um, and I think that is a bit quite a big change. I think they will also look for um, brands that uh, this is once again, a, you know, I think a New Zealand thing and um, another reason why we came here. They'll look for brands that aren't just doing the normal thing, but they are constantly thinking of new models, new ways, new disrupting markets. I mean, you know, Kiwis are brilliant at that. My wife is a Kiwi. I've watched it for years. Um, you know, it's fantastic to, to see. So. Having um, so, I think we can tra- attract people in, and I do think that when when borders open up and immigration starts again, we will start to see a flow coming in. The, the challenge that what we're going to have to compete with is not necessarily the other end of that bridge. That bridge could be the UK, could be Europe, could be the US. It's Australia, right? So when that border opens up, how do we ensure that what we don't lose is the brain power and the talents to what is the closest, just over the pond, um, where? wages may may be slightly higher cost of living will be lower buying a house will be a bit more um uh, will be easier how do we ensure that we keep the talent here and not just skip over when that border opens up and i think that is another point 30 30 hours away on a plane is a long way away right three is a skip so how do we ensure that our talent and our young people stay here on this island and keep rebuilding and i think that is that is all part of part of the stuff that we're doing generally as a you know, as a society, I think we're thinking more about that now than we did before. But there's a lot, still a lot more work to be done. But it's got to be called out as a risk, otherwise we can't approach it, right? So, uh, from people that you're talking to in this space, is there two trains of strategies or thought around what bubbles open up sooner, depending on what their talent acquisition strategy will be for talent within organisations? Are they going? Because at the same time, as soon as that bubble opens back with Australia they're doing the same in Aussie to try and get our talent too, right? So then you've got the local plus that next bubble market. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah you're, 
I'm then thinking, okay, well, I'm sure they've probably thought about, you know, just like an airline, okay, if we open up to Canada, if we open up to England, if we open up to like where we can try and get the talent in. So do you think there's almost like a logistical <laughs> game of chess happening now in terms of the HR strategy? Which I didn't never actually thought of that, which is quite, I'm quite interested in it because then genuinely they'll be going, okay, if this opens, we need to do this. If that opens, we need to do that. Like how many different layers, that's like yeah. one layer down if we're playing chess versus checkers. Like what, what do you think the biggest sort of, I guess, mini ninja move is in terms of talent acquisition or thinking about the strategy for for re recruiting for businesses like what's something that you're kind of coming across at the moment that you're like oh that's that's smart or that's that's well played like what, what yeah, what yeah. Is it? it's a good yeah it's a good it's a good question thanks for putting me on the spot with it with that one primarily <laughs> because because I'm, I'm not going to put my killer move and my power move on the table <laughs> okay yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but hey, um, slide yeah, a little yeah. <laughs> in a bag it's um it's not um i don't i don't it's so much uh, well, from a government perspective i don't know you know are, are governments considering you know how we're going to open up immigration in specific areas and the effects of the economy I, I don't know is my honest answer um our business is thinking about where they will go and play hard ah oh, for sure um i mean you know in a in a fragmented market as we are in a lot of areas of, of the markets um you know, and the businesses that are suffering, you know, some of the some of the guys will be out there and girls will be out there trying to find businesses to get into markets that they're not going into before because the price point's now more digestible. Um, I think in that regard, we've just got to be careful that um, we don't let the wrong types of investors in. And I know you've done a bit about this in the past. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of hawks that fly around um, at this time of uh, of a market development. Um, we've got to be careful that they don't swoop in offering bags of gold, you know, with outcomes that, that we all know are not quite as they originally seem. So so I think they've got to be careful around that. But there's definitely opportunity in, in a fragmented market to acquire. And I think businesses will be focusing on um, where can we where can we accelerate and maybe even get something back from an earnings perspective by buying something that gets us into a new market or a new area uh, geographically once, you know, immigration, the borders open up. Maybe areas that they've considered before, but it hasn't been a priority. Maybe now it is. So, so I think we'll see that's, a bit of that. Yeah, that's an interesting mini segue, Jason, to this um, the, these predatory players that are in, in the market. So I can't, without getting into, I guess, details on too much of the nuts and bolts, basically there's, mm -hmm. there's a wave of, um, I guess, bad capital that are wanting all of these good things to crumble and crash and turn to shit so they can come through and get them on the cents to the dollar. And so weirdly enough, as a defensive strategy for these businesses who may be struggling to think about the talent acquisition pathways is – they need to realize that if they don't and they don't have the best talent and things start slipping down, you know, the company's office came out with that, you know, 29,000 different small businesses have then now stopped and closed. That is exactly what the type of companies or, you know, that's, this is a prime market for those that do bad things to come along and wave a few little sprinkles to do some pretty bad things in the market, which is pretty tough because it puts these businesses owners in a pretty tricky, precarious position, right? Um, yeah. Anaru said, yeah, I think I put it up before, um, I've met a few young men keen to work in the tech industry. No one wants to give them a opportunity. So Anaru, like interesting comment. I'm wondering is the reason that that's not happening because they haven't got the internal capability to either upskill or want to do that because they maybe they need do they need the talent at the top to fix the problem instead of investing in the future which is basically they may not be paying off until the end because i'm imagining in most of these businesses if there's big gaps in the business what they probably want is to pay someone to come in and plug the gap right to survive they're probably just yeah. like come in fix this thing just bah you know here's 100 grand piss off just 
make my business not crumble? <laughs> like, is that is that pretty accurate read, or do you th- are we missing potentially something there, Jason? I think I think I think that's a good read. I mean, there's a lot of project work in IT, right? By nature of what it is, so people bringing people in for a very quick, short term fix needs a certain skill set to be able to do that, right? So, so I think you're right. That is that is one part. However, for people that want to get into the tech industry from adjacent industries, then that once again will change because the industry is having to realize they can't keep going to the same pool because because that pool is almost non-existent now unless you're going to keep putting your, your wage bill up so looking at adjacent markets and give, giving people opportunities um is once again part of that journey of development and, and training which i think will, will have to change so and i'll say to your individual that just dropped the note reach out to me if you're looking for a role in it um there you there you go, Anadu. Um, uh, Steve also jumped in. Yeah, you've got to be two streams of de- development and acquisition. Um, Steve's very smart. I mean, Steve, uh, feel free. I'll put the link here, Steve, if you want to jump in because S- Steve always has some pretty good things to add to the mix. I'll just put a link in there, Steve. If you yeah, get a um, link, feel free to jump in the mix. Um, the other thing about acquisition, of course, is you, you get the people as well, right? So you'll, you'll, there will be businesses going, I can't get that talent. I can't pull that talent in. Okay, all right, well, let's look at our market. Let's go and seek, you know, potential acquisition and not just on the back of earnings, but actually look and see what sits within that business from a, a people capability perspective. And is it sustainable, robust? You know, are the people all going to stay? People will be thinking about building their capability up by that, not just by the earnings number. And that might be an interesting one when it comes down to how people view valuations on acquisitions. Interesting. You had a point before around... Uh, employers kind of looking more instead of just being like, hey, I've got the brand and a stamp, um, actually to think about, you know, what the business stands for. So it kind of feels yeah. like there's a shift going away from just commerce into, you know, more care and community and culture. And it's like a, it's a shift. And I think you're, you're right as well, Jason. It's not definitely like it was, I imagine, in the 50s, 60s, 70s of, you know, I worked at Xerox and I was there for 30 years and I got my Rolex, you know, like that's, I think, it feels, I mean, I, I don't know because I'm kind of unemployable, but it feels that that anyone that's grown up now that's coming out of university isn't thinking in their head, I'm going to try and lock in a job somewhere for 30 years. It feels like that's already switched. And now not only is it switched from, I guess, long-term loyalty, it's, it's weirdly enough kind of turned into, I guess, transactional, but with something that they, with a bit more depth, maybe instead of width, maybe it's a bit more depth. And that's probably potentially good because it's not necessarily transactional of like i'm going to go lily pad around i think they is is it would be right to say that they want their work to have more meaning like they're looking for more yeah. depth in their existence yeah absolutely absolutely i mean there's, there's a there's a um edelman's trust barometer is a is an interesting piece and I'll, I'll send you a link you can have a read of it um but but that kind of talks this is a it's kind of global view around how trust how people trust um, either the government, their employers, you know, their colleagues, etc. And what does that mean in the work perspective? And, and when you read through the latest version of, of, of that trust barometer, what's changed? Well, actually, no surprise, trust towards government has changed. Now I kind of trust the company more than I trust um, government. And within that company, actually, I trust my manager, you know, the person that I'm working for. And I think, you know, previously you joined businesses, and I know it sounds like a bit of a soundbite, but, but I think it's true. You've joined brands and you joined businesses, right? Now I think younger people join people. So so they go, right, I'm going to be working for you. I'm going to be working for you potentially for the next couple of years. You know, probably won't think much more longer than that. But, you know, are you somebody that I actually buy into from a personal brand perspective? Do I believe what you say? 
um, not just you're working for Google. Well, I know that, or you're working for. So it's it's a different element because they're thinking about their interactions every single day. They're not necessarily career building. And I go back 20, 30 years, and we were all about career building, right? I mean, you know, I remember people um, saying to me, "Oh, you've got to build your career. You know, you've got to put this on your CV." And I used to go, "I just want to go to work and have a laugh and enjoy myself." No, no, you've got to build. Yeah, and I ignored it, thankfully, but. But I think there's a lot of pressure on people saying you've got to build a career path this way. And I think younger people now realise that's just BS. You know, you can bounce, you know, and I guess I have. You can bounce from, from comms to working in mobile to, you know, in dev, you know, to, to working in security, to working in recruiting. You can bounce through your career um, without a problem at all, so long as you are doing the right thing, your moral compass is set in the right place. And and you're building your your worth, as I see it, on the planet, helping people mm. and your family and everybody else around you in some way, shape, or form, no matter how big or small. And I think that is a different mindset to to where we all were years ago. I sound old. So I think, no, no, it's, it's it's definitely a shift rolling out. But you know, I I if I zoom out and I think of you know decades down, if you're early twenties now, and there's going to be a lot of these type of crew that potentially don't get you know, handheld and supported and built up and internally trained and whatever it is, that is, right? So fast forward 10, 15 years, if they're already thinking about it needs to be about depth and the person and the brand and the people, whatever, and then they've gone, oh, I never got this and that's what I needed. I almost, in a weird way, get excited for the new future leaders in 10, 15 years time because they have going to come up through the COVID years of knowing what it was like to be shit. Now they're going to have, it's like I call it, you know, the two, the, the, the threes and fours become the ones and twos. Those, you know, young juniors, eventually the general manager, the marketing manager, the director on the board or whatever it is. And if they are thinking about depth of relationship with people, they're thinking about care for the community, they're thinking about upskilling it and to do things that they never got given when they were younger. I weirdly enough think it might be an actual great thing for future leadership of businesses because what's going to happen is they these imprints of they're going to be in their dna of what they don't want and what they're there for and that, that's going to be a lot better than just here's a brand and a logo and the rolex right so yeah, weirdly yeah. enough this might be helping even though it's tricky and, and pretty shitty now potentially this is breeding some of the best leaders that we will see for the the next generation which in some way gets me kind of stoked because then i'm thinking yeah, shit, yeah. All right, that's flipping good. Like they know what it's like to, you know, <laughs> want to try and do more and be treated like shit. They now got the flex to be able to do it. You know, giddy up and go conquer. And I, I do like the shift going from just commerce where there needs to be a bit more depth to it as well. So I think it's like you know going from width to depth is pretty pretty cool. So in some, would you, would you have the same read on that with how this plays out in the next 10, 15 years of leadership or future yeah, leaders like what they're experiencing now? Yeah, I would, um, and it, and it's not just because I'm a massive Lewis Hamilton fan, right? But but if you you know you watch somebody like Lewis Hamilton, who you know over this last weekend, for anyone that's in the Grand Prix, you know making comments about you know it's a long race, right? Seventy one laps is a long time, no matter where you're sitting on that grid. Um, and you know through challenge over this weekend, you know Lewis finds himself not at the front, you know, unusually, but but actually you know one towards the back in qualifying, and now halfway in the pack as the as the Grand Prix starts, but. You know, he's coming towards the end of his career. You know, he had the best race. And I think this season, probably his best season ever. And and he's won six before. So when's this one? He beats Schumacher. And and why? Why now? Oh, because he's coming towards the end of his career. But he's learned so much and had so much um, and used all of that that sort of negativity and, and all the challenges and all the all that experience. And then just on that weekend, applied 
all of it. Now, he normally applies 20%, 30% of different bits, different parts. He opened the bag and he pulled it all out over the weekend. And what you saw there, I guess, in my mind is, is, is somebody doing exactly that. They are they're going, you know, well, there is, there is you know, a lot of challenge in the world, um, but I'm going to learn from it. And I'm going to talk about it. And I'm going to openly talk about it to my friends. And they're going to talk back to me about it. And that's cool. You know, and we're all going to have opinions. And we're going to be respectful of people's opinions. And that's cool, too. And a lot of these things sound common sense, right? But they weren't the way that, that people developed 20, 30 years ago. Um, you know, a, a young lad walking into, a, as I was, surveying business. I stayed there for five minutes. But walked in, sort of going, hey, I want to do this. So, you know, and you shut down, sort of going, go and sit in the corner and, you know, put the post out, if you would, and get us a coffee. Um, and, and it wasn't the fact that it was that work. It was the disrespect of coming, you're young, so you probably don't know much, eh? So could you just go and do that? And then in 30 years, you know, we'll give you the watch and then maybe you can be a partner. Um, just nonsense. I think that no one's up for that anymore. I think individuals aren't up for that anymore. The value of people has changed. And um, anybody living through this to the point of lose the weekend will take all of that learning and power. We've got to make sure that we then help them deploy it at the maximum and at the best time. Uh, I, I totally agree. So that's good. Um, but I saw your face light up when you start talking about um, Lewis Hamilton racing. What's the 44? I got to ask. Obviously I know he's on Mercedes, but what's the, what's the deal? That's the, that's, that's, that's all his winning caps. It's um, yeah. That's his race number. Ah, I got you. And so each, what do you get a, that's his car, that's what do you mean car, winning caps? Yeah, so yeah, every so time he get, yeah, give me the one I won. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what he if he wins a certain race, is it like a different color, different brand, a different thing? Like, is that how it works? Yeah, so each, each Grand Prix goes with a uh, with a different cat. I mean, Merck are on it, right? Um, from a merchandise perspective, but every time he wins a um, a Grand Prix, a um, like I go and buy. Sadly, I go and buy his cat. I don't have many passions apart from tech, but one of them is Formula One. So I've been in it since he was a he was a young lad driving around on um, on race carts. So I did a bit of karting when I was younger as well. Oh, there you go. Uh, guys, this is great F1 reference. No, I, I, I would also agree um, with that. Uh, okay, no, hey, really appreciate the time and, and the heads up. If people are wanting to um, track down who you're and what you get up to um, yeah. and just a little bit more, what's the best spot? Well, LinkedIn or where can they go? What can they do? Yeah, link, link, LinkedIn, by all means, go and ping me um, a note. I'm, I'm not one of those that go, oh, I don't know you. I'm not going to connect with you. I'm not, I'm not quite sure how that works on LinkedIn, but anyway. Um, but ping me a note on no, it's a social network to meet people you don't know. I'm, I'm sure it's not only except people you do know. Um, so, yeah, drop me a note on, um, on LinkedIn, um, or you can email me at jason.cherrington at accordant.nz. More than happy to talk to anybody, companies, businesses, and specifically anybody that's looking for a role so far as IT is concerned, because there's a lot out there. You are right in the middle of a candidate market. Um, so if people want to talk to you, that's probably more reflective of the individual than it is you. Um, Richard? Rock and roll. And that was um, accordant, A-C-C-O-R-D-A-N-T. No, Correct. There you go. To, to the right way. Um, appreciate your time, Jace. Good, Always, um, good, good banter, smart insights, and definitely appreciate it. So um, thanks, bro. See Legend. You See you Champ. soon. Rock and roll. That was um, the bro, Jason Sherrington. Good insights on the, on the skill tech stuff. Um, start an outro. Turns up. Put probe up there. Hopefully it's Still getting the hang of it. There we go. Still getting the hang of it. Um, but it sounds pretty decent. Um, getting a bit worried, team. 
lot of business is shutting down, a lot of um, potential unknown stuff for the future. So enjoy the rest of the day. Have a good team. Uh, if you're a young buck on the come up, I think about the business that you work for. Are they trying to upskill you? Are they trying to empower you? Are they trying to do good things to help you do better with your world? If they're not, eh, it's a candidate market. As Jason said, it's a candidate market. You've got options out there. Um, and for business leaders, uh, actually understand the different strategies that are going to be rolling out, Adrian O'Neill says. Thanks, guys. No worries, Joe. You're welcome. This was episode uh, 294. Be it live. Um, free Britney. Free Britney. Have a good day, team. See you soon.